The very first line of my sermon is supposed to say, it's not always easy being thankful. But after the service we've had today, it's feeling very easy to be thankful this morning. I hope you're feeling gratitude in your heart as we've gathered today for worship. So many wonderful reminders today. But it is true, at least it is for me, that it is not always easy being thankful. Such was the case for a man named John, John Brandick. I read a a news story about him, I think, in the Associated Press a few years back. At that time, Brandick was 62 years old. He was living in Great Britain, and he received some very bad news. He had been having abdominal pain, and so he went to see the doctor, and they did some tests and scoped him out, and they came back in and said, we're very sorry to tell you, but you have pancreatic cancer. In fact, you only have about six months to a year to live, we think. And with that, Brandick left thinking that his life was ending. And so he said, if, if my life is going to be over in just six months or so, then it's going to be a really good six months. And so he quit his job, stopped paying his mortgage payment, and went on this like extravagant spending, living his life, uh, started to travel different places, gave extravagant uh, gifts to friends, ate out of the best places that he never allowed himself to eat out at before. He figured if I'm not going to take any of it with me anyway, I might as well spend it all. You can probably see where the story is going. I'm not sure why, but it wasn't until about a year later in which Brandick went back to his doctor. Maybe he figured there was no point. But after a year, he was still feeling pretty good, and so he decided to go back and told that to his physician. You know, I'm surprised. I'm, I haven't been in much pain. All things considered, I've had a decent amount of energy, and the doctor kind of, you know, looked at him and said, really? Well, let's do some more tests. And so they do some more tests, and they eventually come back when the results are in, and they say, we are very, very sorry, Mr. Brandick, but it appears we have misdiagnosed you. You do not, in fact, have pancreatic cancer. When you first came in to see us, you just had an inflammation of the pancreas. Now, you can imagine a moment like that where, where your life has been extended. Your, your future is bright and hopeful. You would think you would be very grateful, right? Well, not so much for Mr. Brandick. He does say in the article that he was relieved he wasn't dying, but he said, when the hospital tells you that your life is going to be over in less than a year and you spend all of your money and now your house is about to be foreclosed, it leaves you not feeling very happy. So at a moment when John Brandick certainly had reason for gratitude, he had other things on his mind. In fact, he was mulling over the idea when that article went to press whether or not to sue the hospital. It's not always easy being thankful. It wasn't for this particular lady at church. After the service was over and she was waiting in line to shake hands with the preacher, she eventually got there, was shaking his hand and said, I want to thank you for the message today. And the preacher said, oh, don't thank me. Thank the Lord. To which she replied, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Not always easy being thankful. It certainly wasn't a few years back for Regina Rodriguez. It was just before Thanksgiving, actually, and Regina said that instead of turkey and mashed potatoes and traditional prayer before the meal and the long football game afterward, this year, this Thanksgiving, I, I think I just want to stay home in bed. 
The reason was because Regina's father, Richard, was one of those victims murdered in the Sutherland Springs church shooting. Maybe you remember that a few years back in 2017. In the New York Times interview she did, she said, I don't feel like doing anything. I really don't. I'm trying to figure out everything with my dad. It, you know, his life insurance situation, his will situation, it's just a lot of stuff. A, a lot of stuff is going on, and I'm trying to, to keep it all straight and take care of it before going back to work. And my kids, oh, my kids are not doing good at all. I don't know if I should take more time off work to, to be with them. In recent days, I've been having panic attacks. My six-year-old son, Jordan, has begun vomiting every night before bed. I wish I could say we will have a happy Thanksgiving this year, but I don't think we will. It's not always easy being thankful. And yet we find these words in God's word. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God tells us to be thankful. The Apostle Paul is here talking to people who are recently born-again Christians. They've recently been baptized, become part of the body of Christ. And because of this, Paul is telling them that they need to surrender the things of their old life and put on the things of their new life in God, in Christ. That's much of the first part that we read. And Paul uses baptismal imagery to describe this process, taking off old garments and putting on new ones. Did you know that it's quite possible, there's lots of historical uh, documentation of this, that in some capacity, I don't know if it was all the way or just most of the way, there's some debate on this, but that some baptismal candidates back in the day, back in the early church time, would unrobe before they were baptized. What would happen is that they would fill the baptismal font and the candidate would be on one side and they would disrobe. I don't know if it was, again, just the outer robe or everything. And they would get into the baptismal font. They would be buried, their old life representing being buried, uh, and then new life being raised again as they come out of the water in Christ. And then they would come on the other side exit the other side of the baptismal font, and new garments would be put on them, representing now their new life in Christ. Kind of gives a whole new meaning to, and now with every head bowed <laughs> and eyes closed. <laughs> so that is kind of the imagery that Paul is drawing on here. He says, you've got to take off the old garments of your old life and dress now in the garments of God that he has picked out for you garments of all these different virtues. 
And you can probably guess which of those virtues is our focus today. The one that Paul mentions three times. Be thankful. Have gratitude in your heart. In everything you do, give thanks. God wants your life and mine to be clothed in gratitude. And there are so many studies. Maybe you've read some. I've shared some from up here before that's, that just show the positive impact that practicing gratitude can have on your life. You have less stress. You have more content. You have more fulfillment and meaning in your life. There's so many benefits for practicing gratitude in your life. No wonder God says, you got to be thankful. you got to clothe yourself with gratitude. But it's not always easy, God, being thankful. I know you ask us to do that. I want to do it, but it's not always easy given the circumstances we sometimes face. Well, if you're finding it hard, like the character that Lynn played today, to feel thankful right now, she does at the end, but if you're feeling hard, it's not easy to be thankful. I think these three references the Apostle Paul gives us can maybe help us in some way. Let's go to that first reference where he just says, very simply, very straightforward, in verse 15, be thankful. Now, the Greek word that is translated there into our language as thankful is pretty straightforward in its meaning, but it does contain within that word this idea of being mindful for the favor that you receive. In other words, there is an aspect to this thankfulness business that involves developing an awareness for it. This also tells me that gratitude is not something that just always spontaneously springs forth in our life. It it requires some intentionality on our part, a mindfulness. I love the way Eugene Peterson renders it in his paraphrase, the message. He says it this way, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Cultivate thankfulness. You know, as if you're a young parent or if you can think about a time when you, had, when you were parenting young kids, we know something about what it means to try to cultivate thankfulness. You know, when, you're, when your kid just gets some kind of nice gift from somebody or a nice compliment, and you look at them with that look that says, hey, you're supposed to say something, right? Ever had those moments and the kid just looking up there with a blank stare on their face, you know, after they receive that compliment or their gift? Say something. What are you supposed to say? Hey, what are you supposed to say? Oh, Thank you, right? We do that as parents. We're trying to cultivate in our kids a seed of gratitude that we hope grows as they grow. Well, all of us should be doing that. What are some ways in which you are being mindful of giving thanks, cultivating gratitude in your own life? Maybe for you and I, we need to, in our own minds, say that same phrase to ourselves. What do you say in the different moments we we experience in our day? Maybe thinking about the little regular things that we often take for granted and give thanks for those could help cultivate more gratitude in our lives. I read an article this week that stated, you take approximately 23,000 breaths every day. But when was the last time you thanked God for one of them? The process of inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide is a complicated respiratory task that requires physiological precision. We tend to thank God for the things that take our breath away, and that's fine. But maybe we should thank him for every other breath, too. Maybe that would help us to be more mindful, to to stop taking for granted those regular things that happen. 
Or maybe we can cultivate gratitude by following Henry Nouwen's advice on being thankful for everything. He says this, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy, but to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. Still, we are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see in it the guiding hand of a loving God. Maybe that would help us be more mindful. Whatever you choose to do, God says, it's something you got to cultivate. Well, if it's also feeling hard to be thankful, maybe we could go to the second reference and find some help. There, I think, Paul would simply say, spend some time singing, singing about it. Did you catch it where he says, I want to encourage you, invite you to admonish each other through songs of praise, hymns, songs of the Spirit, with gratitude in your hearts. It was a, a number of weeks ago. I had a very busy work day, very full schedule. In fact, I had just got home from a long day here at the office and was uh, preparing for a Zoom meeting that I was chairing and I was uh, needing to make some last-minute preparations in, in order to, to do the, the meeting effectively. And it's just about five to ten minutes before I'm about to start the meeting and there's just this loud music that starts blaring in the house. I'm downstairs in the office, and I can hear it coming from upstairs. In fact, the bass is thumping so hard against the floor, the windows are starting to rattle, and I thought, this is just great. This is exactly what I need right now, God. This really loud music, I can't focus. I'm not going to be able to do the Zoom meeting. Everyone's going to hear this music blaring, so I sprint upstairs, and I notice that in our loft, we have an Amazon Echo, one of the bigger ones that's got a big speaker, and I saw the cord for where that was normally plugged in, it was going into the bathroom underneath the door. Leela, turns out, wanted to have some background music while she was getting ready for bed. She had put that speaker right on the hard bathroom floor, and it was just shaking the whole house. She had it all the way cranked up. And I'm prepared to walk in there and just immediately tell her, look, sweetie, you've you got to turn the music down. It's too loud. I can't focus. I've I got a meeting I'm going to start. And I swing open the door, and here I find my daughter singing at the top of her lungs the huge smile on her face, praises to God with a toothbrush for a microphone. And I couldn't say amen. I couldn't say anything. I just stood there and smiled. And I got to tell you, I felt so much gratitude in my own heart watching my daughter sing those praises to her creator. No, oh, if you're having trouble being thankful, just start singing. And if singing is not your thing, if it's not your gift, if people are more thankful when you don't sing than when you do sing, then, then listen to somebody else sing. Come to church Sabbath morning, every Sabbath morning here at Calamasa Church and listen to the praise and worship. Join in with the congregation. You won't be able to leave here without having gratitude in your heart. I promise you that. Read a psalm. Read a poem. It helps to be thankful when you sing about it. 
And then the third reference. The third reference, Paul gives us, seems to tell us that if you're having trouble being thankful, then do it continually. Make it something that's a consistent part of your life. Verse 17, it seems to be what he's implying here. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In all things that you do, give thanks to God the Father and do them in Christ's name. I like the way, once again, Eugene Peterson renders it in the message. He says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus thanking God the Father every step of the way. Love that. Every step of the way. Boy, if you just spend a little time perusing the other letters of Paul, you will see that this is something he re-echoes time and time again. Rejoice always. In all circumstances, give thanks. Do this with thanksgiving. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts. It's a theme he will, he will reiterate over and over again because I think Paul wants us to have gratitude be our constant companion in life. He, he knows how good it is for us to continually practice this. There's something powerful that happens when you commit to doing something consistently and continually. Uh, this past Thursday, for the first time, I know some of you have this as a tradition, our family did the turkey trot in Redlands, which with a couple other families here. And our daughters you know, have never run for anything in their life. And when we told them, hey, we're going to sign up for this, you're going to run five kilometers. And they were like, five kilometers? What's kilometers? <laughs> we're like, it's like about three miles. And they're like, three miles? We can't do that. We can't run three miles. So well, we'll start a little bit. We'll just run consistently. Like three or four times a week, and we'll start off small. We'll just do a half mile, then a mile, and then a mile and a half. And we did it consistently with them, and they would kind of drag their feet, but we made that commitment to do something consistent together, and they finished it, finished the race on Thursday. We were so proud of them. Some of my friends, maybe you have, uh, some of you even did it, but I know there's a few people in the church that, that did the LA Marathon not that long ago, first weekend of November. Beamy and I did that, oh, about... 14, 15 years ago. And I never, ever would have thought that I would have done that. Uh, we were not married at the time, so she wanted to do it, so I agreed to do it because, you know, I knew that I wanted to marry her, and, and uh, I, think she, I think we were already engaged by that point. But anyway, her good friend wanted to do it and uh, roped her in, and then I got roped in too. Running is not my thing. If, if it's a sport with a ball or a bat or a club, I'm down. I'll do it all day. But running is not my thing. And I could not imagine ever running that far. And you know, you do run, those of you who have trained for a marathon, you do run some big uh, runs every once in a while, right? You do, you do like a six mile, then a nine mile, then a half marathon, then an 18. But those are spread out over several months. And what you do in the interim time is you just run about two, maybe three miles at most. As long as you do it consistently, continually throughout the week, you'll build that stamina to be able to somehow run 26.2 miles. Powerful things happen when you choose, when you commit to do something consistently, continually. There's a member of our church family that shared with me a few weeks back that ever since Thanksgiving of last year, he has written down three things every day what he is thankful for. And he says, it's like completely changed my life. 
It had a tremendous impact on me. There's someone else in this church family that gave me a gift last year of this journal that, that they publish where you can write down your prayer requests and most of all, count your blessings. And every time that I have consistently committed to journaling in that uh, journal, every day counting my blessings, I gotta tell you, my days are more meaningful, they're more fulfilling, and they're easier to get through. What are some of the ways in which you are trying to be consistent, continual in your practice of gratitude? Because it's not always easy to be thankful. And Paul would say, well, if that's the case, try to cultivate it. Then spend some time singing about it. And let thankfulness be your constant companion. And then we might reply, well, that's very good, Paul. That's cool. I appreciate that. But I'm not sure that that is enough. I'm not sure that all that alone is going to really help me to be thankful. I want to say that I'm going to cultivate it, sing about it, continually practice it. But sometimes there are some moments in life that are too hard. Some circumstances are too rough. It just isn't going to be possible. Is there something else you could give us? Is there something more where I know I can really, truly be thankful in all circumstances? And Paul would say back to us, weren't you listening when I started this section? Did you gloss over it too fast there at the beginning? Let me remind you what I said from the start. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are chosen, set apart, and dearly loved by the creator of the universe. That word that is used there that in our language gets translated as love is a form of that very familiar Greek word agape, the most self-demanding, self-sacrificing, other-centered kind of love. And that's the word Paul uses here to describe God's love for you. But he doesn't just use that word. He's like, I, I have to modify it even more than that. So he adds another word. You are dearly loved. Dearly loved. Do you ever have those moments in life where, you, where you're just struck with how much you dearly love someone? It can happen when you're hanging out with a really good friend and they say something or they do something so goofy, it just makes you laugh. It makes you laugh so hard till your stomach hurts and your eyes water. It can happen sometimes when, when your spouse looks at you, they give you that look. Well, not the look, you know, when you've messed up. That's a whole other thing. But when they look at you and smile in only the way that they can, it takes your breath away. Or they say that word of encouragement that you need at that exact moment. Oh, but it especially happens with kids, doesn't it? If you have your own kids, you've experienced it. But even if you don't, you, you've probably seen it just watching kids play and the joy that they have in their life. Or when your kids, they do like one of those tackle hugs. And, and then they're looking right up at you with those big eyes, that look that just melts your face. Or you open the door and you catch them singing a praise song at the top of their lungs into their toothbrush. And it's in those moments that you can't help but start to smile. And you let out a big sigh and say, I really, really love you. You ever stop to think about how God has those moments about you? He has to because the text says you are chosen, you are set apart, you are dearly loved, which tells me that somewhere in the councils of eternity, your name comes up, that your face appears before 
the God of the universe. And when God thinks about you, I think he can't help but start to smile and let out a big sigh and say, I really love that child of mine. Family, if we could just remember that, if we could just remember how dearly loved we are by God, I think it's going to get a whole lot easier being thankful. Lord, there are so many reasons, thousands upon thousands of reasons to bless your name, to give you thanks. Lord, above all, may we remember how much you love us. And may that continue to help us to have gratitude be our constant companion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.